0: Mighty
1: senses tingling a really big show. he's the host who can't be bothered to see his lifelong friend's new son even though he lives a measly four minutes away he's slim This is the Paper Keg Show, episode 227.
2: Welcome to this show. I don't know who Jonesy was talking about, but he sounds like a real dirtbag. Paperkeg.com, we talk about comic books, do a book club, the three of us, and we'll talk about that book together. Frank Miller. Lynn Varley grown
0: it up for them and
2: then we'll read your letters live to close out the show we have a big episode, you know, let's just go around the room, we'll introduce the hosts. Last week it was, you know, a little laid back. We had two of us chatting about orc stain. Weenus. Orc was a topic that we broached often, but we have our original third host back on the show. Fourth host is long dead. God rest his soul. Jonesy loves beer. You took off last week. You had a kid. I did. You haven't listened to that episode yet. You chose not to listen. You chose to do other things. But you have a kid now. You have a second kid. Welcome back to the show.
1: Thank you uh, so much for having me. You know, I feel like uh, I could have made a ton of Grancho Marx jokes last week. So I'm hoping that one of you did uh, in my absence. Uh, I am also ready to take a rapid-fire question-posit
0: in the uh, fireside, so stay tuned to the fireside. Because, because the orc weenus is wearing a glasses-and-nose-and-mustache, is that why we would have made a groncho Marx joke? Well, they refer to the Wienus as a grunch in the story,
1: so grunch grouch, I don't think that's a, too far of a stretch. You know, is it a huge leap? Well, I don't know.
2: We'll let the listeners decide uh, whether or not that was a stretch. I think orc
0: penis marks. <laughs> <laughs> a
2: final host joining us once again. We had a very uh, flap esque episode last week. Dale and I, you know, just the two of us. Numbers me interviewing were through the roof. Dale. If I can, if we <laughs> can break down the wall just for a second, the numbers were through the roof. For that episode. I feel like we have something magical between Dale and I. Just the kind of fireside format. Not really the paper keg fireside. Which didn't happen two episodes ago. But the kind of just me <laughs> interviewing Dale. Asking questions. I feel like there's some magic there. Uh, welcome back, Dale. Yeah,
0: it feels good to be back uh, at Slim. And, you know, this. it's just like what we're doing now. We just have a little back and forth. And it kind of just like puts everybody... Into some sort of state where they just want to listen to me, in my womanly voice, sound like you know, and just talk about things. So that's yeah. what's on my what's on my mind.
2: Right. I mean, you walking around in your you know your pajamas and your slippers, picking up cat mucus at the, you mean, know late at night. That's what you
0: do. Sometimes you like you've really got to take the Lysol wipe and wrap it around your thumbnail, so you just basically use your thumbnail and use it as a chisel on the kitchen floor because it's just not coming up. I, uh, before we started recording tonight, I tried to get my cat Bean sneezing on some sort of recording, but <laughs> I couldn't dash in there in time. This is I was, awful. Uh, I was elbow deep in arts and crafts at my kitchen table with my kids. Decorating turkeys for school, so I couldn't dash in the room fast enough to have a machine gun bean (laughs) sneezing every five seconds on on some sort of digital recording for the show. Yeah. I should have opened, I should go open the door so we can just come right, do it right into the microphone.
2: (laughs) Bottom of the hour, just a reminder Frank Miller's Ronin DC Comics Limited Series, seminal. We're going to get into it. We all read it. Oversized format. Mm. We'll get, that's our book club just around the corner. Uh, obviously, we need to talk to the man in white that I'm looking at right now. It's almost like <laughs> you... I don't know how to explain the brightness of that shirt. It, it's like it's some kind of orb. Like mm. something is happening to your, to your body, and you're being ascended into another world.
1: I'm like the reverse Johnny Cash right now. <laughs> is it...
0: Remember the old... Uh, the gutenberg vehicle cocoon
1: <laughs> it is quite like their uh, their medicine gowns that they wore <laughs> medicine gowns medicinal uh, gown
2: i mean if we had not we don't ever have the time to barely do a tom cruise podcast <laughs> but if we did a movie podcast proper cocoon would be on that list absolutely and oh, cocoon so, no, too, yeah. the return back to back ups double shot
0: tuesdays we call it It'd be some big weeks for us and as far as numbers go oh yeah i'm sure Without a doubt.
2: Just a reminder before we get into Owen Henry, Dale and I do a, a podcast about fatherhood and about life. It's called The Flap, and we're ever so close on the Patreon for a return of the Flap, which I didn't. You know, I keep forgetting. We're very close.
1: I imagine that fills Dale with a sense of dread, like just a <laughs> coldness in his stomach that he, have to, he has to record one more thing on a monthly basis. Dale, your thoughts on recording the Flap on any kind of regularity?
0: I feel like the, uh, the guy, I'm not sure of his name, but he was in the movie Ghost and he was screaming, get off my train. Patrick Swayze. <laughs> the, the bags under that guy's eyes would be the bags under my eyes.
2: We last recorded an episode of The Flap February 11th, 2015. Wow. And I remember distinctly because of the episode title uh, now, and I totally forgot about this. But Dale, we were gonna do a five K together and it it didn't happen this year. And (laughs) it troubles me greatly. You probably were hoping that I would not ever remember.
0: No, because you know why I want you to remember? Because I look, I need to be in some sort of mountain hiking shape one year from now. And if a five K is gonna help me get there. God, Is, has no one ever words.
1: suggested the PK-5K? That's Is the that
0: title of that thing? flap episode, oh, okay. actually. Right. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Whoops.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I've revealed too much. Hasn't listened to last week's paper keg. Hasn't listened to the flap. Uh, all right, well, let's just table that topic for now. God, could we? And, oh, my word. And then uh, the, the episode before that was 2014. Mm. The episode before that was 2013. <laughs> So, just a heads up. All right, now the man it's of the like, hour.
0: It's like a BBC office special. It'll come once <laughs> a year. You'd be thankful for what you get.
2: Yeah, what happens if we if we hit the goal and people really just don't like the flat monthly? They're like, eh, it was good when it was once a year. Yeah, that's right. a possibility.
0: Dale's, Dale's pretty boring when we do it once a month.
2: Yeah. What, he doesn't crap himself enough. <laughs> right. Dale, can you out. crap yourself next month? That's what they're going to say. Can you schedule it? Frank Miller's at bottom of the hour.
0: That's Who knows, our maybe maybe I, I crap myself live on the air for a <laughs> special flap episode if we if we hit that mark.
2: Yeah. Maybe we'll change the milestone uh four hundred dollars, Dale craps
0: himself. Right. <laughs> four hundred dollars and a new pair of Duluth boxers. <laughs> Duluth. Uh,
2: Dale, uh, thanks again for being here. It's a treat having you as a friend and you know, on the podcast as well. Jonesy loves beer. I am. I do. Your second child yes. has arrived. And I mean, just before the show, we're trying to get a vibe. Jonesy, how you doing? What's it like? It's from wait, Before you can answer from our brief, well, that answer actually leads into my comment. From our brief interaction, it seems like your wife is in the room with you or within <laughs> earshot. So we're not really getting the true state of how things are right now.
1: Uh, she's turned into bed. But I can still say honestly, uh, amazing journey. Um, Just to point out, some people think, you know, the hectic level is one kid plus one kid equals a, a hectic level of two. But we have to realize it's more like two times two is level four of being hectic. So it's like. Imagine that a newborn is screaming in your face, and at the same time, your three year old knows you can do nothing to him with your arms full. So he's like throwing dump trucks and tractor trailers at you as you try to swat them with the foot and then get them (laughs) to uh, get him to like just listen for one minute instead of doing the exact opposite of what you just asked asked him to do. So it's been, you know, it's been an adjustment, but you know, there's, you know, we had a, some photos taken today, you know, looking great, new family, new young family. It feels good. It's definitely Dale, didn't, an adjustment.
2: Dale, why didn't you prep Jonesy about this two times two is four scenario with your two kids? I feel like we know that that scenario exists. Why didn't you help uh, Jonesy out there?
0: Oh, Slim, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I honestly, I don't remember the past four <laughs> to five years of my life. <laughs> I only remember the here and now. The first two years of Reed's life, at least the first year, I don't remember because it was such a darkness. <laughs> it was a darkness when, you know, it's it's like when you and your wife are trying to have a conversation and your one son is like just constantly trying to ask you a question. <laughs> but it's like that, but worse, like way worse. So... Jonesy, I th- I feel like maybe I don't know. There must be some firesides uh, of some paper kegs or flaps. Maybe one flap since Reed was born. I... I mean, my... Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I, just, I don't, even I don't even know, know what, what to say. say. I mean,
2: we've hit we've hit a level of parental despair in the last three minutes that uh, might not be matched soon.
1: I guess it wouldn't it wouldn't be so bad if the the constant sleep deprivation wasn't also mm-hmm. taking its toll day after day. So, like, the first two days, you feel like, you know, I can handle it. Then, like, the third day, you've only slept, like, two or three hours, which are interspersed, you know, in two-hour bursts. Mm-hmm. You're like, man, it, it's really getting down. I haven't gone back to work yet, and it's bad. So, I yeah. have to
2: give uh, eternal props to my loving wife, amenity, She did the brunt work for i mean pretty much all of it i didn't really have to i got up maybe every so often to sit with him uh when after he was born i think you know because i went i think only had a maybe like a i think i took a week vacation when he was born and then i went back and she she kind of just did all the work you know mm-hmm. she's a trooper i don't know how she did it she pushed she's that kid out and just got to got cracking did so, I say poop? Did I say poop that kid or pushed? <laughs> <laughs> you said pushed,
1: but we we both know what you meant. <laughs> so what what you're on deck? Are you when's number two for you so you can feel our no, pain?
2: Not anytime soon. Not anytime soon. Our marriage cannot sustain a second child. <laughs> that's a discussion that we've had several times. There's a, you know, you can have two kids. That's fantastic. I'd love to have six kids. But if we don't have a happy marriage, right? then exactly. there we shouldn't bring six children into the mix. Mm. Preach it. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, just when you have a, a kid that won't go to sleep, and you're yelling, you're both yelling at each other, trying to get him to sleep, tensions are high. You want w- w- to you know, you add another kid into that? Yeah, that,
1: I think, good gracious, that Ellen Henry is not that way, because our first one, a year and a half until we slept through the night, and we would always have those crazy 4 a.m. like fights with each other over nothing. Where you just frustration just like, you know, and then you don't you know, even remember it the, the morning after. But Owen will actually sleep four hours at a clip. That's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I remember with Jack, not to get on the flap on you. But uh, like I would have to bring him to the kitchen and turn the faucet on. So that the white noise would put him to sleep but I couldn't sit because if I sat in a kitchen chair, he would know that I was sitting and getting comfortable and he would scream all over again. So it would be literally with my back to the kitchen sink with the faucet on, just like crazily rocking him back and forth would be the only way he slept. And just to try to do it for two hours straight so that your partner could sleep
2: so that you could trade off and she would have to go through the madness. Gen- Genzy, maybe it's time to get a, an, an au pair. You know, bring an au pair <laughs> into the mix. There you go. Yeah, I think that's the next logical step. I'd be for the all Joneses. for it. Let me tell you. You know, let's see. Let's see what your wife thinks. Can you get her? Wake her up and uh, ask her live Abs- on the air.
1: Absolutely not. There will be no waking of babies, women, folk. Not going to happen.
2: Last week, Gen z, you missed it. Uh, we brought back one night only, the news segment. What came back? Nerdy yeah. news nuggets. Do we use that sounder? We didn't. I found a. Oddly enough, I found a... Let me see if I can pull it up here. I found a, an audio intro for the Nerdy News Nuggets that I don't think I've ever heard before. <laughs> yeah, um,
0: here it is. Well, that was, of course, for the Nerdcast, so it never existed. Seven in. or
2: eight years ago. This is
1: and good. now, here's Limit bill with some Nerdy News Nuggets. Wow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, I've never heard of that before in my life.
1: Is that like the old Windows DOS make your computer talk program?
2: It might be talking type. maybe, maybe j man made that j at j man says, remember him remember Armageddon? Armageddon. yeah, they're nerdcast mm-hmm. podcast, highly successful tech podcast from the past. Let's leave it in the past. We have a big show to do tonight, Ronin. you won't find that on your LinkedIn profile, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should put it on there, who knows, maybe you know you don't even maybe. know what's going on on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a hot mess. You know? Jonesy, what's Ronin? Who's Frank Miller? What's happening in the world of uh, Samurai?
1: Frank Miller may be a paragon of 1980s uh, revival comic books uh, ushered in the era of darkness and maturity, realism, and your mom.
0: <laughs> oh
1: <my>. uh. <laughs> uh Ronin, you know, what we see here is um, a book heavily influenced by anime and Japanese lore. A book that was spawned out of years of research for his Daredevil run. And he took his research and he gave to us Ronin. And the story is as follows. Uh, Centuries ago in Japan, a nameless samurai warrior uh, serves a master samurai and his arch nemesis is a demon called Agat and the master is like a skilled swordsman he has a, a a mystical katana i and check me on this i think it's called blood drinker it's uh it must be sated in the blood of its enemies and the only way to kill the demon with the sword is to have the uh, the blood of a good man an innocent man on it so, very steeped in Japanese mythology already. Uh, at the climax of this ancient uh, Japanese story, uh, we have the master samurai being killed, the young ronin now taking up the sword to continue his master, tr- uh, master struggle. And then flash forward, the twist. It's actually post-apocalyptic New York City where a young telepathic telekinetic Billy a employee slash generation of a what I would call like a super corporation Uh, stop me if I'm wrong like a very Akira-esque megacorp that kind of both acts as police science research military whatever you have it and Billy is having these visions of the, the Ronin. So he's having these flashbacks of the Ronin. And the the living computer that kind of runs uh, New York uh, kind of does the research with him, says, hey, that sword that you remember uh, was discovered like a couple months ago and has disappeared. And Billy's like, well, the legend is that, you know, the Ronin will be reincarnated once again when, when a god roams the earth. So the Ronin it comes back to modern day uh New York as part samurai, part robot, all cop, if you will. <laughs> and uh the the issues are these this kind of Ronin regenerating himself and kind of and I know I don't know what kind of story to type of describe it when he's got a, it's almost like a video game where he's got to level up, he's got to find armor. He kind of meets the cast of characters in New York as he kind of also has these flashbacks to kind of continue the story forward. You know, the innocent man blood that he used to kill the demon was his own. There's a really cool scene he kills himself and then like kills a guy behind him like he pierces himself and that's how he's regenerated. And uh the Ronan eventually In another huge twist, which I I guess I'll let you guys reveal as we talk about it, uh, maybe the Ronin isn't quite what he seems. Is he really this magical reincarnation uh, from the feudal Japan er uh, Er era? era? Or is he a new type of warrior altogether? Ronin, spoilers, Maybe the most beautiful thing I've ever read in CMX HD. Artworks. Wow. Maybe well, there you wow. Go. Maybe the most beautiful thing. Uh, so the Frank Miller's artwork was painted uh, by, I'm sorry, what was her name?
2: Lynn Varley.
1: Lynn Varley painted these pages based on Frank Miller's pencils. And in glorious CMX HD, it looks like GD stained glass windows. The mm. art is amazing. Mm. Ronan, Frank Miller, mm. Uh, mm. the one of the most lauded, mm. well-regarded uh, volumes uh, up there with The Dark Knight Returns. And uh, maybe to my knowledge, which is very little, one of the first big Western books to homage Eastern art and standards.
2: Mm. There you have it. Gen Z giving out a course on the history of Ronin and its artwork. PowerPoint
0: forthcoming. <laughs> Send that Put, deck over. Putting on a clinic. <laughs> as uh, they would say. Ronin. I got the uh personally I got myself the hardcover edition, which is oh, pretty sweet at wow, that cover. Oh my gosh. Yeah.
2: Let's do back of the bank by eight AM.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, uh, to get it out, my, like two people have to turn the key at the same time. <laughs> the local branch of my bank's made, set up a little, a little free library in front of their, <laughs> in front of their branch with a little mailbox just for me. Um, yeah, the hmm, beautiful. I mean the the feudal Japan stuff is gorgeous. The New York City stuff. Well, not. I don't even want to say the New York City stuff. The uh, the biological, ever growing mass mm-hmm. that was like a company plus, like it was like Aquarius. Company, it, Aquarius was like company headquarters slash mobile, like a defensive kind of. It, it's the future, right? It's but, like a
2: yeah. It's like a cybernetic building that. Much to the surprise of the scientists, is getting smarter and bio circuitry is like extending across the city. It's
1: like Skynet. Yeah, but his name was Virgil, I think. Virgo. Virgo. Everything was named after the zodiac in this book. Yeah.
0: The, I get, especially in like eighty two, eighty three, I pr- I I can see, like Frank Miller just putting this kind of. Faceless or designless kind of thing out there, but it just seemed like that building just seemed like a little too, it was like cluttered or something. Like some of the shots in New York City were a little cluttery, but you can definitely see like Frank Miller roots. Like, cause this is before the Dark Knight. This is, I mean, this is, this is like Frank Miller has a vision and he's going to execute on it, which is, which is, it was a really cool idea, and it's around the time of like, you know, Blade Runner and stuff, so maybe there's like these, this futuristic kind of influence. It's kind of a cool...
2: Sounds like you didn't love it. Is that sort of, that's what I'm I didn't, getting.
0: I, yeah, I, I liked it a lot, and I I think what it is is, in the historical context of things, it was, it's really amazing. If this, I think it were, it, it it would have been really amazing for the time. But now, like, I know I'm glad I read it, but I think, I think it's, it's a pretty good book in my eyes. Now,
1: I feel the same way about, uh, almost the same exact emotion about the twist ending. So the twist is there never really was a Ronin. It was all this uh, Skynet, Virgo, influ- influencing this... Um, Uh, Billy character with these fake visions making Billy believe that the Ronin existed. And because he had a connection to this biomechanics, he was able to form the Ronin character and the backstory and kind of execute the Ronin story arc to what end? Like, I really didn't like was, and you'll have to answer this for me. And I I think I have it, but if Billy committed Harry Carey, it would, commit like a telekinetic wave that would destroy the city and the robot wanted that because X like because it doesn't really seem like the, he's a malicious robot until the very reveal at the end of the book so I mean and I think if I were reading this and hadn't read a ton of stories with similar twist endings I would have been blown away but I, I think this might have I think maybe the comics might be the only part of the book that I didn't enjoy I don't know if anyone else thought that way.
0: Yeah, I think especially because I wanted I really wanted to, to have like the original Ronan and Agat be like have like a like a, a finality. Like I wanted to see an ending to that plot. Like I was so wrapped up in it.
1: See, I, I thought all the way up until reading the, the last issue uh, and the the penultimate issue you see the mctaggart i think her name is living the also in the fantasy with the ronin and you kind of know that the the walls are cracking uh i really wanted the ending to be the next reincarnation of ronin and agat like all of a sudden we were 50 more years in the future okay and they were starting again but and that's in my head that's where i thought the book was like amping up to because it kept cutting between, you know, Feudal Japan, modern times, Feudal Japan, modern times, the merging of the two, and I really sincerely thought the ending would have been 2031, you know, it's space station Earth, and somebody opens a time capsule and the sword's in there, and you're like, oh, my God, it's starting again. Like, I thought that's got to be the way it was going to go.
2: Yeah, actually, the I felt like... um... Just the idea up until the ending was a good enough idea for a story. The the ronin coming into the future was pretty badass, yeah, I thought.
0: Yeah, that was a badass.
2: And it's it felt very 80s. Felt in a really good way. Like the 80s apocalyptic future, like 1990 everything's dark and computers. Mm-hmm. Like it reminded me of RoboCop, it reminded me a lot of Akira. But I think Akira came out and started before this. But it wasn't as good as Akira. It felt like a, a it felt like a good, nineteen eighties, futuristic, comic. It wasn't great. I didn't think. Mm-hmm. And I was w- wondering to myself before we started reading. It's like I wonder why I don't hear more about Ronan, and like I feel like this should be talked about more. Or maybe we just never hear it. Maybe it is talked about, but maybe it's just because it's not amazing. At least in in our opinion, um. But the art, obviously, is fantastic. The painting. um, I mean, Frank Miller's stuff is just bonkers in this book.
1: I really... uh, You know, there was a nostalgia factor for me that I thought really clicked. I don't know. You guys ever watch, like, the sci-fi channel? We were, like, not quite teenagers. Maybe 11, 12, 13. And they used to have, like, Saturday morning anime takeover.
2: They used to play Giver, like, every day. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. But there was always, like, Saturday morning you could watch, like like project AKO and uh, other movies of similar titles. And it was always like a sprawling adventure in two hours. And this is what it felt like. I felt like we were getting a two hour animated film. And that like that for me, like felt very nostalgic. Like I was like very taken back to like this formative story years for me. And, and I, I appreciated it for being like part of the bedrock that that has built these modern tales but i think because of my years of readership and all the different stories i've been exposed to if i had been exposed to this story at 15 i probably would have thought this was you know you can't get better than ronin but now at 33 and reading it for the first time i don't think it had that panache that i'm sure it did Mm -hmm. for people reading it
0: as it happened you know 30 years ago Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, like in historical context, it would be really cool to see like this um, this sort of intrusion of Eastern style comics in this Western, in this Frank Miller comic that's got like this Frank Miller darkness to it, like this uh, this adult kind of air to being like this, uh, you know, this like creator owned legit comic like it's got to there's it's got to be some buzz it's got to create some buzz i think and it, but for the time it would have been like oh my god this is crazy like this is a westerner doing something as cool as this like it's because it's got like you know feudal japan and like you said like androids and big corporations cadillacs and stuff like dinosaurs <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah i was wondering when i when the ronin first um i i think we mentioned it but you know the ronin comes the spirit of the ronin comes out and absorbs billy the telepath's body and becomes one pretty much so there was a few few like at first i was wondering why he didn't make himself why they didn't design like the ronin's legs and new legs and arms kind of like in a more badass machinery way like i felt like that was an opportunity to like show off you know something really cool but for whatever reason they kept it kind of simple and some there's some like story parts where before the reveal you're wondering because the Ronin is being chased by Casey, this kind of like head cop of um Aquarius, and they're one the one time that they're like alone, he rescues her, she's naked, being kind of like previously attacked by uh, cannibals, and they like touch each other and they they embrace and they make love like on a rooftop the next night or whatever and I was like what the heck is going on that came out of nowhere and it does start to you know make sense as the one scientist which I think was Casey's husband maybe
0: yeah yeah definitely he, uh, they were, Peter was like yeah, yeah. he
2: starts to yeah. dig in as this stuff is happening and he starts to figure out himself that Billy has crafted this entire thing in his head or using his his power. And then you start to realize, there, I mean, the one part that was really striking was I think when the computer or Casey's husband mentioned that, oh, yeah, he's always had a thing for Casey. And I thought to myself, like, oh, man, the Casey was the reason why the samurai, you know, made love to Casey because it was fulfilling a fantasy of his. And I was just like, oh, God, mm. this is awful for Casey. And... <laughs> I mean, there, there were some other parts, like, before that point, um, I don't know, it, it's just, like, it was It was good. It just was not great. Like, it was mediocre, I felt, like, the story, the like, the, the bits where the Ronin is walking around with this kind of flower power, hippie, homeless guy, and he comes upon, you know, these Nazis and KKK members, and then they're doing battle over these two people that are tied up. And when the water rises to their neck, like, the cannibals bring them down under underwater or whatever. And you're trying to, like, kind of starting to connect with this samurai character. He can't speak English, so he's learning the language. And he starts saying, like, kind of slurs to people to show that he's speaking the language. (laughs) Yeah, And, and, like, offends them incredibly. Yeah, the one part that just really irked me was that he didn't rescue the people that were tied up and obviously in danger of being murdered he didn't rescue them he yeah, just he, kept about his way he was not really heroic no and, not and at all
1: in the uh in the past life he was like like very heroic and stoic and loyal to his samurai master and that character was not present in the modern day ronin
2: and i was and thinking about it I was I was like, I remember the moment where he walks by them. They're obviously tied up and about to be murdered by these warring factions, and he just passes them. I was like, okay, that's annoying. He better come back. And he kind of does, but they're already dead. And like, he goes down underwater for whatever reason, I think, because maybe Casey was down there. I can't remember. So knowing the ending, I feel like it's Billy-ish in that moment, and I was just trying to rack my brain if there's a moment in that scene where they described that those two dudes were, like, bullying somebody or whatever. And it would make more sense as to why the Ronin wouldn't save them. Like, he wanted them to die or whatever because they were bullies. Because Billy was bullied as a kid because he had no limbs. And therefore, you know, maybe this is, like, his subconscious enacting revenge. But
0: it just didn't... It just hurt me. That's about it. Now that, now that we're kind of, like, hashing it out together, the only thing I'm thinking is Casey ultimately convinces Billy to kill himself.
2: Which was, a, I thought, a, a good twist, or a good way to resolve the situation.
0: Right, like, yeah, yeah, that's some, yeah, okay. So maybe the, the ending's, okay. I mean, it's okay, but it's like it's almost like she shames him into doing it. Well, I
2: feel, yeah, she does, because I think that's the only way she could have gotten out of that situation. She had to right. have Billy die And the only way to do that was to have the samurai realize that a woman, you know, took care of his one job, and that embarrassed him. So he had no choice but to seppuku, whatever it's called.
0: But but I, I guess maybe it sucks for Casey because the whole, like the whole city block blew up because of it or something (laughs) like that's what it looks like or maybe that's just like a a visualization of no i i I think
2: that had to happen because maybe she knew that his death would then trigger you know that kind of telepathic emp field to then go off and then kill uh virgo
0: yeah yeah i think i think she knew that the whole thing had to be brought down, and to, to do that would be to shame the samurai. I just, you know, the whole thing just blew up. I guess she didn't have a choice at that point. Mm-hmm. It, they, I don't think they
2: they led on that Casey's marriage was strained, or did I just right. miss it?
0: No, I didn't. I didn't get that
2: either. Because there's a very long—I don't know if it's a long scene, but it's a few pages of her speaking with her husband about the stress of work and he asked her to, you know, why don't you take a few hours off and come to our room? And she does and they make love and she leaves. But there wasn't a moment where like, oh man, trouble in paradise. It wasn't like breakup sex or anything because I mean, she she has sex with the samurai like 30 seconds into that meeting. Maybe that was Billy's mental doing as well. I don't know. Oh yeah, because he could
1: invade her mind. Yeah, so yeah. now he's even less heroic because he probably used his telekinetic or telepathic influence.
2: Well, there really is no samurai at that point. It's all Billy, I guess. Yeah. Wow. But That's plus it. she was nude, like that was probably all his doing as well to make her, you know, this mm-hmm. is his fantasy. He rescues her from Ganimals, she's naked, vulnerable, and then magic happens.
1: Man, that uh that just takes it to like a real skeezy
2: level. It's creepy. Yeah, it's very creepy. <laughs> There's no doubt about it.
1: I, I'm glad yeah, that maybe, didn't so, click in my head when I read it. Now yeah, I so, wow, I the, I read. So,
0: the, so the deeper we get into it, the more of a creep Billy is. He's the a more, super creep. Yeah, the more the, as, you know, as we hash this out real time, the more the ending is justified, and I'm more pleased with it. I'm not as disappointed maybe with the ending.
1: Yeah, if this guy is truly a scumbag, then yeah, the ending I like because that's right. the only way it could have ended. You had to kill this monster.
2: And it's tough because he's lived his life, you know, a limbless person. Right. Yeah. And the the epicenter of his, you know, mental state is a flashback that they show where a bully is, you know, I can't remember if he's like tickling him or he's about to do something to him that he can't defend himself for which is just, you know, you, you start to see where the villain or where the, you know, moral ambiguity comes out. And it's really uncomfortable. But, uh, you know.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm Hmm. I mean, as should, far as the ending
2: the,
1: of the uh, story. The tagline. Dale underscore <laughs> right from Paper gig <laughs> Radio Syndicate. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah billy's a, Billy's more of a creep now than I thought he was, but the ending is better than what I thought it was total creep though
1: he's like really
0: but, bad but still like some of the stuff yeah i yeah okay, so if you really i just wish there was more of a more of concrete evidence that he was a super creep. I mean, maybe... Because I mean, Casey's t- marriage wasn't strained. Like you were saying, Casey's marriage wasn't strained, so, like, I guess that's the only reason why she would have just went with the Ronin immediately.
2: Yeah. I mean, maybe... It, Ronin ma- To give Casey... <laughs> or not Casey. To uh, give Billy some benefit of the doubt. Maybe in his mind, he was just in a dream state. And this was just, like, an elaborate... Fantastical dream he was having, and yeah. Vir, uh, Virgo was pushing him in that direction, and he couldn't really do anything about it.
1: I vote creepo that could be it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> three cre- three creepos out of four from Jemzy's here.
1: <laughs> I give this book a stunning three out of four creepos.
2: <laughs> oh jeez, Ronan, you have it. Any other it, thoughts, Dale? You seem you seem conflicted about the whole no, thing. No,
0: no, no. I feel, like I feel I feel more at ease. I more I feel more complete than I did going into it because I got to talk to you guys, and then that's been it's been a while where it's been that sort of fulfilling, or um, you know the th- the the trio kind of solved a problem <clears throat> in my in my brain, mm-hmm. and I'm also thinking about Gary Ace, Ace Anchetta and what his thoughts maybe are. This is a DC book.
2: Yeah, maybe he's got the lowdown, Ace.
0: Ace, we need you. Actually, I think whatever Ace,
1: whatever Ace's opinion will be, whether uh, Billy is a creep or Billy was caught up in some phantasm is the opinion I'm going to go with. Because
2: Ace seems <laughs> Frank, like a guy in the know. It's a brave move. Very brave. Ronan, Frank Miller, DC Comics. There you have it.
1: We got your letters. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna open, open them up. up. Dale That's and I are gonna, gonna, gonna take turns reading them to you.
2: Letters at paperkeg.com, dot com. You wanna shoot us a letter? We might read it on that. I'll tell you what, I see Dale yawning. We got like another three hours of recording to do tonight.
1: Join join us in the drink Monster ten o'clock at night club, Dale. We we need you. <laughs> my gosh, Our, uh, Jones, we
2: need to get a, we need to get a health update before this episode's over. <laughs>
1: Please don't, because I, I haven't bothered to weigh myself. I haven't exercised. That I've been nothing but getting like free meals delivered to my house for two weeks. Oh god, and probably like three hundred and ninety pounds. Uh, first letter from rising letter writing star top five bananas. He writes, Hey gang, first off, I would like to acknowledge the sheer dedication and pride it took for Dale and Jonesy to power through the re-record of episode 225. Don't beat yourself up too much, Dale. Mistakes happen. And the second recording was still something to be proud of. Hopefully Slim doesn't go too hard on you. Perhaps just a bit of the old silent treatment on the private G-chats. Nothing Jonesy isn't used to already. <laughs> Uh bananas. Tell it tell it top five. Uh secondly, I just reread the Fantastic House of M uh Future Book Club and was wondering, what are your favorite event books? Keep up the great work, babe. Top five bananas. Your favorite event books, Dale.
0: Spider Island? Mmm. Mm. Blicks. Mm. It's a good one. Mm. Um Hmm. What was the one? Age of Ultron. That was really
2: good. interesting.
0: Daredevil, Shadowland. <laughs> um, try. I can't even think of like. I can't think back past the last two years of event books, which is probably bad. Um, not House of M. What was the? Oh, Civil War. Yeah, Civil War was amazing. Oh yeah,
2: I liked House of
0: M. I I would, like, I've never read it. I would um, like to read that book.
2: Have,
1: have, you, have you never heard the story of Slim reading the Wolverine issue where Wolverine gets his memories back and then Slim has to put up with the fact that Origins came out afterward and he thought it was the worst Wolverine book ever written slash drawn?
2: You never heard that story? Listen, you know, who knows what was said back then? You have to check the tapes for that kind of thing. Won't find that on his LinkedIn. And thank God nobody really checks the tapes for any kind of bad things we say. Ugh. Secret War was uh, Brian Michael Bendis and... Uh, Secret Invasion? Name? What's that guy's name that does the painting? He did the painting covers of Secret Invasion. Gabriel Del Otto.
0: Oh, wow. Yes. That was
2: great. Um scrolling back here. I actually have a wiki. I did like Civil War. That was amazing. Uh, I like uh, Invasion uh, yeah. I can't remember
1: DC Thought well, that was um, pretty good yeah. DC Comics Nobody
2: What about out? Siege Anybody like Siege I don't think I ever read it
1: Is that the Thor one
2: Siege What about Schism
1: What
0: about A versus X Oh That might be my favorite A versus X That was a oh, big Oh man that was so good Or AVX
1: As the kids say
2: well, Dale, you like Dale, You like the mini series offshoot of Avengers vs. X-Men, right? Or did you like the main one, too?
0: I liked both, yeah. The, um, the miniseries, the tie-in, that was like the team-up books. Yeah, that was great. That was some great entertainment there. That moment the main Scott book, walks down those yeah.
1: steps and then Cap is just standing on the beach looking out towards the sunset. Oh, my goodness.
2: I liked uh, Ultimate War, which was the first... Um, ultimate crossover way back when mm-hmm. Chris Bacalo
0: drew that one mm. that's a win
2: mm-hmm.
1: Thor's nose on that book had its own splash page I think <laughs>
0: gosh heavens good heavens uh, low carb monster <laughs> rearing its ugly head <laughs> top five bananas thank you for that email Hopefully that was enough event books because we gotta move on and we got recordings.
2: Was that the only letter? We have another letter.
0: Uh, we got we got more letters. Okay. Uh, next up, at very exciting on the Twitter. <clears throat> hey guys, love the Southern Bastards episode. One of the best things about Paper Keg is that you are real people and real things happen. Fun, funny, and true. Side note: I hate Fairyland is outstanding. Two pages in and I was stopping people I barely know to show them the premise. Pretty sure I sold about six books that day. Anyway, keep on kegging. That very exciting. That uh, well, thank you. That very exciting. That was a big, uh, that was a big episode for us. I mean, we, it was 1.30 in the morning. We had <laughs> uh, professed eyes, our well. love about Southern Bastards. We had so much previous that we barely had any love left, but we scraped the bottom of the love barrel to to poop out another episode, as Slim would say. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Onslaught was a fave of mine growing up. Mm, that is where more... the...
1: What is it? The schizophrenic uh, side of Charles Xavier steals Magneto's powers and just like reaps through the Marvel U.
2: Well, when Mr., uh, Professor X wiped, mind wiped Magneto in X-Men 25. Mm, that'll happen. A, a piece of it stored in uh, the prof's psyche. And it just built up over time. Mm. Also, uh, Executioner's Song. Gorgeous. It was one of the all-time best. Executioner's Song, yeah.
1: Mm. Our next letter. You guys ready? Mm. It's a a long-time first-time letter. Mm. You guys ready? Ready. Subject, enjoyed the show while it lasted. (laughs) Uh, Hey, Keggers, I've been listening for a while, and I've reached out on the Twitter... At ASBIV, but haven't written in before. I started listening at episode 200, but have dipped into the archives to catch uh, a lot of great past episodes, including Death of Mark Farrington, the E.S. and Die episode, uh, the Face on the Cold Concrete episode, and many other enjoyable moments. Uh, your friendship, humor, and comics knowledge always makes for a fun weekly installment of mirth. So I was saddened to hear the wheels come off the car last week as Dale and Jonesy fell apart without Slim. Uh, They lost the wisdom and insight of Scotty Young due to some mysterious recording glitch that may or may not have been caused by drinking vodka Red Bulls during the session. Uh, All we were left with was the low-energy ramblings of two tired fathers and the occasional comment about what Scotty said and what we talked about before. Uh, Knowing that Slim is preparing to ditch this podcast for a new one with his wife, uh, who remains the second most popular original host, and to spend more time on his paid podcast? Uh, full disclosure: Full disclosure, he works for Comicsology. Uh, it was sad to hear this enjoyable podcast come to such a painful, executed ending. Uh, you may limp along with another week with one-eyed orcs, but clearly the writing is on the wall. Uh, more time for book jug and the flap, I guess. Uh, so thanks for two hundred twenty-four great episodes. Thanks uh, for two hundred twenty-four great episodes. One total disaster and some happy memories of what might have been. Uh, Seriously, though, you guys are great. I love the podcast, and it has helped me find some great books like Planetary and Saga the
0: Swamp Thing. Keep up the great work. Mm. Stephen at Asbiv. Steven, uh, you should hop on that Twitter more and interact with us. uh, Twitter is our lifeblood. So if you say you've interacted with us before, it must have been like one time, Steven. So please do that. We love Twitter. And uh thanks for listening. That's really cool that I'm curious and if you want to write back, we don't have to read it on the air, but how you decide to give us a chance at episode two hundred.
1: Yeah, I think and, I uh think like with the same with comics, like it's gotta be podcast fatigue, like if I see Dale underscore play episode three hundred and fifty, I'm like, Ugh, I can't even why am I even jumping in?
0: You know? Yeah, that's the struggle, you know? That is the struggle.
2: Note that both Dale and Jensie deflected from the, any comments about the episode that which
0: so our next shall letter, never be named. Um, Look, if if anything, if Vodka and Red Bulls were involved, it's because Scotty runs, he, he runs by the seat of his pants, right? And if he insists that we all start drinking Vodka and Red Bulls, what are we going to do? Say no to, to drink on Google Hangouts with Scotty Young? So, sorry. You know, <laughs> sorry, sorry, not sorry, sorry, sorry that I didn't Sorry that I forgot to even gather his recording because I was so excited that I didn't even get his recordings on the so air. So then me
1: you should have saw it like the last ten minutes. Dale wouldn't even look at the screen. He was just like
2: <laughs> Yeah. Like, oh boy. Boy. One
0: last letter of the week unless uh Dragon Fro comes through in the cut. Orkstein intern report. From official show intern Matt H.H. boyos. Classic session this week. And up front, I gotta say, I love the return of the news segment. Wow. Hmm. That is... No Hmm. way that is true. (laughs) Great to hear the newsman back in action. On to the interning. Slim was wondering about Star Wars Land at Disney World. It is indeed an update. Disney Hollywood Studios will include a total of 14 acres with all Disney employees in the park in character. They're also doing 14 acres in Disneyland. Universal theme parks have an ironclad lock on the rights to Marvel characters in theme parks. Rumors abound that Universal is asking upwards of $1.5 billion to give the license back to Disney, which is three times the cost of bringing in Harry Potter's Diagon Alley. This possibility may be more likely given rumors of a potential deal to bring Nintendo into Universal Parks. What? <laughs> what? Yeah, they're yeah, they're that's that's like six months old that news, but they're going to do a Nintendo Land of some kind. I think it I just looks heard. Looks like Stoko
1: did a Turtle Jump podcast. Probably got themselves. amiibos
2: flying everywhere. Whatever those things are.
0: <laughs> Looks like Stoko did indeed letter Ork Stain, as the credits do not show a letterer, but just say, created, written, drawn, and colored by James Stoko. You made the comment that no artist is as detailed as Stoko. I'd offer up Jeff Darrow, whose legendary Hard Boiled and Shaolin Cowboy are some of the most detailed books in his- history. Though he draws in a totally different style, I'd put Chris Ware on the list, too. I uh, yeah, I would uh, I would say Jeff Darrow definitely the the work I've seen with him is crazy detailed. Uh, one final note: I really enjoyed the flashback to episode ninety five. I think flashbacks would make a great recurring segment. Basically, time hop for Paper Keg where you play a snippet from an episode related to the book club, or maybe just the episode a few years ago today, etc. Something to think about. Peace out. I you know Matty J.
1: I didn't yet hear that episode, but I just cringe at the work Slim would have to do. To go back and listen to an episode, find a good piece of audio, snip it, and then edit it into an episode.
2: I I think Gen Z said it all. I don't think I need to say anything. I mean that I don't,
1: I don't even know what that entails, and my my sphincter is super tight. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love the idea. I love the idea. That's a good
0: idea, but what if uh, you know, some of us could like report in timestamps. Maybe that'd be easier, Slim. Yeah, you know, uh, We'll say.
2: Y- I mean, if anyone wants to report timestamps, if anyone wants to cut out that piece of audio, <laughs> if anyone wants to send me that piece of audio, I'm more than happy to <laughs> think about playing it on the show, and if it's
0: good, I will play it on the show. You know what? Let's just put that idea on the back burner. <laughs> we'll
2: Listen, just circle back around to that. I'm more than happy to delegate that role. More than happy. Who could we name as
1: an
0: unpaid podcast curator? <laughs> Let's table this for the uh, when we're it. actually fireside chatting in one year from now around a fire. <laughs>
2: yeah, we'll play this. We'll play this segment again on episode, you know, whatever right. two thirty eight. We'll steep
0: on it. It's two twenty seven.
2: Whatever. It's a year from now.
0: I don't know. May we?
1: <laughs> Would it be in like the two seventies if we it? Were a year I don't now?
2: know. I'm using Jonesy math right now. don't do that. What a show! Great show. One of the best we've ever done. I
0: concur. I think
2: it's hard to top the uh, Dale Slim Flap episode from last week.
0: That was good. I was like, if you, yeah, like I I may have said it last week, but you're that's the closest you're going to get to one of our private G chats. Yeah, that's probably yeah.
1: why I wasn't there. I don't think I'm allowed to listen to it. For some reason, when I try to download it, it says no. Just the word no.
2: I don't think that's accurate. I I I think think you just made that up. I know much technology. (laughs) Perform much business. (laughs) Next week is a big episode for us. We're we're coming back to the movie apps, comic book movie apps, and we're doing one of the big ones. The one, the only meteor man.
0: In the sake of full disclosure, obviously. There is no book club next week because we will be preparing for the following week's book club. Oh, boy. We'll be taking two weeks because after the stellar, what will be a stellar, Meteor Man episode, the first volume, which is... uh, Miss, which is a the tome, the tome, the first (laughs) volume, which which makes it sound like it's less than what it is, the first volume of the tome of Batman Nightfall. Sweat when the heat is on Some feel the heat and decide that they can't go
1: on Some like
0: it hot but you can't tell how hot till you try Some like it hot so let's turn up the heat till we fly
1: The Channel <laughs> slamming to say there goes SoundCloud.
2: <laughs> I mean the best part of those. Anytime we're playing music, no one understands that for the for the minute we're dancing
0: <laughs> at each other. <laughs> I mean, it's totally like a yeah. It's just a dance. We sit here and we dance while the music's playing. I mean especially this song. Come on.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, the first volume. Of the three-volume set of Batman Nightfall, which in itself is like 700 pages. oh The soft cover is like $30. dollars this one soft thinking about that page count. <laughs> <laughs> so you better, uh, while you're uh, watching Meteor Man, you better start reading then. I mean, we got some reading ahead of us.
1: I'm going to predict... That the day of the recording Someone's going to jump in and ask for the next day Because they haven't
0: started yet <laughs> 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 Go, <and see. laughs> Go to sleep, Go to sleep precious.
1: <laughs> You look tired <coughs> Pam get some sleep You look tired <coughs> That's my born legacy Thanks guys I'll see you later